0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Raised from the dead by his hand. And it was a parade of praise. Hosanna. He is the one who saves. And this week progresses with pain and suffering. But just remember how the week ends. It ends with another praise. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. He is not here, but he is risen from the dead. Amen. So we start with the shout, and even with the pain of Golgotha, we end with the shout. Hosanna. Hallelujah. He is alive forevermore. What a, a joy to be with you and to worship the Lord. We're continuing, as, as Pastor Steve said, our core values, and we're on, uh, we prayerfully value justice. And so I want to talk to you this morning about, let rightness or justice roll like a river. You remember the last core value that we studied, we value, prayerfully value Christ's kingdom. So we studied about the kingdom of God. And we talked about the kingdom of God is at hand, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, which has invaded the rule of Satan in this present evil age. And so the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not just up there, out there, but the kingdom of God is within you, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so, first of all, the kingdom of God is invisible because it dwells in us. But it is local when we all meet together. But it is universal because all across the world today, people that have accepted the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in their hearts are meeting together to worship Him. And then the kingdom of God is invisible. It includes heaven and all the Old Testament saints and the angels. And it is eternal because His kingdom is coming. And when He comes... He will establish an earthly kingdom for a thousand years and an eternal kingdom of which there will never be an end. So we are part of the kingdom. And out of his kingdom, there flows attributes. And basically in our core values, there are two of those attributes. One of them is personal. The attribute, the characteristic of holiness. And that's the last one we'll study. But the other attribute is both individual and collective. And it is called justice for the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of rightness or a scepter of justice he is love and out of his love he is just in fact isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 puts it like this the increase of his government uh, there shall be no end and upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice and judgment forever and forever And so someone defined the kingdom like this. It says, The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love, justice, and mercy. Where sins are forgiven, the sick are made whole. Enemies are reconciled. Captives are freed. And the needs of the poor are met. And that kingdom has come in us. And therefore out of us we are to seek and there is to flow justice. And so these are the scriptures that you have in your notes. Psalm chapter 82, verse 1. God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment upon the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. He's talking about justice. Jeremiah chapter 22 and verse 3. Thus saith the Lord. Do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. And then he says in Amos, you level a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses, and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent, and take bribes, and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offering and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing river stream. And then he says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40, you saw the hungry, you fed them. You saw the thirsty, you gave them to drink. You saw the stranger, you You gave him shelter. You saw the sick and those that were in prison. And you came to them and visited them. And he says, and the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, you did them to me. That was me. Because out of the kingdom dwelling in us, one of the attributes is that justice rolls on, rightness rolls on, like a river. So one teammate violates the rules and the coach makes the entire team do laps and suicide drills. That's not right. One employee fouls up and the boss gathers all the employees together and berates them all. That's not right. You work harder than anyone else. You barely make 10 bucks an hour And struggle to survive and the CEO of the company gets a ten million dollar bonus that's not right you do the same work as your male co-worker but he makes five dollars an hour more than you because he happens to be a man that's not right school you have equal or greater talent than the other person but because their parents know somebody in the teaching and the administration part of the school they get the part that's not right okay stay with me you work side by side with your husband for 20 years building the family making the business a success and he decides he wants someone 20 years younger That's not right. You're as talented as an intelligent as most people on the job, but because of how you look, because of how much you weigh, because of the color of your skin, they get the promotion. You don't. That's not right. Others misuse and abuse and abort kids, and you can't have one. That's not right. You've committed the same crime, but that person has a high-powered, high-cost legal team with political influence and gets acquitted or suspended sentence, and you get 10 years. That's getting quiet in here. That's not right. By a quirk of birth, you have running water, an indoor toilet, food, shelter, education, And more than enough, and by a quirk of birth, someone in another country struggles to live. That's not right. Because your skin color is different. You're belittled and discriminated against. Not because of the character of your heart, but the color of your skin. That's not right. All right, it's going to get quieter. Say it with me. That's not right. And what you have just learned is the definition of justice. Because the definition of justice is right-wise or righteousness or rightness. It means equity, equitable, equality. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created just, equitable, equal. And that they have been endowed by their creator by certain inalienable rights. Life, liberty. Those are not just words. They are the principles of rightness. Oh, come on. The principle of justice. And that's what justice is. So when you read in the Scripture the word righteousness or rightness put in its place justice. And so if justice is equality and equity, then sin is inequity. Iniquity. Oh, okay. <laughs> and because we are members of His kingdom, because the kingdom of a loving, righteous, just God is now in us, we value Justice. He is a just God. Amen. The, the scepter of His kingdom, the badge of His command, the sign of His sovereignty, His power and His authority is that He rules in justice. Genesis chapter 18. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will not God do justice? Psalm chapter 98 and verse 9. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. The Old Testament word is misfath, which means to set an order. It means to set up or establish uh, uh, measures and customs and ordinances and laws and decrees that establishes rightness, that establishes justice. And throughout the scripture, he constantly talks about this. Deuteronomy 32 and 4, all his ways are just. They're set in order because he is a God of truth. And he is without inequity, iniquity. He is just and righteous is he. And then in Psalms 89 and 14, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne, O God. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have, blessed e- have kissed each other. Psalm 146 and 9, the Lord preserves the stranger, the alien. He, he, uh, he uh, refreshes the fatherless and the widow. Constantly throughout the Old Testament, it is talking about a kingdom of rightness that God is a loving, just God, and He has set in order rightness and justice, and as part of His kingdom, we are to set that in order. We are to enforce that. I don't have to. Proverbs 21 and 3, 1 Chronicles 18 and 14, Zechariah chapter 7, Psalm 76, Psalm 98, Isaiah chapter 3, over and over, the Old Testament says, you are a part of God's kingdom. And his kingdom is a kingdom of justice and truth and love and rightness. And therefore, you are to set that in order. You're to bring it to pass. In fact, he put it like this in Micah. He said, oh man, God has revealed to you what he requires. See, God never requires something unless he reveals it. He has shown you, oh man, he has revealed to you what God requires. And what is it? Do justice. Do justice. Do justly, live in rightness, not only with God but with your fellow man. Establish rightness in the earth. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. It's amazing, you see, because what Micah is doing is what every Old Testament prophet tried to do. There were ten commandments, and depending on how you read them, either seven of them related to your relationship with people and three to God, or four and six, it's how you read them. But there were only three or four that related to your relationship with God. The rest related to your, your relationship with man. And, and everybody wanted to understand what does these Ten Commandments mean. And so the Jews came up with what they called the, the, the Talmud. And uh, that was the, interp- uh, the Torah. And that was the interpretation of those Ten Laws. You know how long it took them to interpret those Ten Laws? 619 ordinances. Now you've got ten commandments and 619 things you have to do to fulfill them. Wow. And then they had the Torah, the Talmud, which was 60 volumes of oral and written ideas of how you filled, fulfilled those ten commandments. How you lived out your relationship with God and established righteousness and justice in the earth. Well, nobody could do all that. So every prophet after that decided, how can I bring the list down? So David in Psalm 15, who, will, who shall abide in the tabernacle or dwell in the presence of the Most High? Well, if you read Psalm chapter 15, he has 11 things you're to do. If you do those 11 things, you'll do justice. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he brought them down to two. Fear God and keep His commandments. But that's not a lot of help because that brings you back to the 10. Amen. And Isaiah tried it in chapter 33. There were six ways you can dwell in his presence. And in chapter 55 he says that there are three ways and they're all trying to do the same thing is to bring you into. And so when Micah gets a hold of it he says God has revealed to you what he requires. Do justice. Show mercy. Walk humbly before thy God. See justice is the preserver. It is what brings the balance. It brings everything in order but notice the order first you do justly then you love mercy and then you walk humbly before the Lord your God and so Nahum brought it to an end and he simply said in the Old Testament let rightness and justice flow like a river let it roll on like an unending stream because it is what God requires out of those who claim to be a part of his kingdom Brother Bob, that's Old Testament. So in the New Testament, it picks it up again. And it begins to talk about rightness or righteousness or right-wiseness. And it talks about your relationship with God and your relationship with man. And the word in the New Testament means a sincere uprightness. And John the Baptist did it. Don't you remember when he called them to repentance? They said, what shall we do? How shall we live? What is required of us to be a part of this new kingdom? And what did he say to them? He said, he that hath two coats, give one to him that hath none. If you've got two and your brother has none, justice and rightness is you share one with your brother. Uh, Okay, all right. And and, and then they came to him and, and said, he said, do your meat like that too or your food. If you have enough and somebody doesn't have enough, if you're going to live rightness and live justice, give part of what you have to somebody else. And to the tax collector, he said, exact no more than what's due do you. Don't cheat. Do justice. And to the soldier, he said, do violence to no man, don't accuse anybody falsely, and be content with your wages. Now, some of you didn't hear that. Did you? <laughs> But he's talking about the outward aspect of the kingdom within you, which is justice. And so when Jesus comes along, they said, okay, narrow all this down. We've got ten, we've got fifteen, we've got three. And Jesus said, no, you have two. You'll live right with God. You'll love God with everything that is within you. Heart, mind, soul, strength. And you'll love your neighbor as you'll love yourself. With the same energy and effort and priority you seek for yourself, you do that towards your neighbor. Do unto him as you would have him do unto you. Now, don't add do it first. That's, that's, that's not what he said. He said, Your responsibility is a right relationship with God that begins to pour over into right relationship with men, and you treat them the way that you want to be treated. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Oh, I know you're going to say, no, it's righteousness. Read it in the original language. Blessed are those who have an appetite and a, 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 and a propelling, compelling hunger and thirst for justice. To establish the right order. For they will receive it in full. And then he got real practical. He said, "If somebody slaps you, <laughs> have you ever been slapped? I'd rather you take up your fist and cold cock me than to slap me. That's an insult. It's not just an injury. It's a no. Come on, you guys are looking at me. Have you ever been slapped? It is an. It's not just an injury. It's an insult. And you know what he said? Don't react." like the world does. Because the world says, if you slap me and insult and injure me, guess what, dude? I'm going to do it back. You know, the Christian always says, well, he said, turn the other cheek. But he didn't say what to do after you turn the other cheek. (laughs) Yeah. But what he's talking about is insult and injury. And not only that, he's talking about injustice. What if they sue you at the law and take your coat? And what if he? What if they make you inconvenient instead of going one mile, they make you go two? He said, "Don't react. Respond. Respond like your father in heaven responds, loving the just. Oh, you guys are the just and the unjust. And so, what he is saying is that the the the, the kingdom is based upon justice." and righteousness because Jesus came to seek and to save that was which was lost not only lost people but justice and rightness so give equity to whom equity is due give yourself totally to God then you are to love others as you love yourself and then you are to love your wives and to love the brethren and to love your enemies and so you feed those who are hungry And you shelter those who are homeless. And you call those who are naked. And you visit those who are sick in prison. And when you do that, Jesus said, you're doing justice and that's me. You're doing it unto me. It carries on in Acts chapter 6. Why were deacons brought into the church? Because somebody was treated unfairly. There was a group of the widows that were not receiving their daily portion of the food. And so the, the establishment of deacons in the, in the local church in Jerusalem was based on justice, that everyone's need was taken. Oh, I'm boring you. <laughs> Paul, one of his missionary journeys, what was he doing? He was taking up money from the Gentiles so that he could bring it to Jerusalem to meet the needs of the poor saints that were being persecuted. It was based on justice. And when you go through the Bible, James says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That's justice. Because God looks out for the stranger and the poor. And Peter said, One day there's coming a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth justice. And when you turn to the book of Revelation... When Jesus establishes that earthly kingdom and ultimately the eternal kingdom, it is one based on just- You know what heaven is? It's justice. It's rightness. Everything that's wrong will be made new. No more sin. No more Satan. No more sickness. No more tears. Everything that was incomplete becomes complete. Oh, hallelujah. Because his is a kingdom of justice. So... Uh, I'm running out of time. I'll, I'll let, I'll, I had a bunch of material, but I, I want to get to this. Okay, we know the definition. Now, there's a difference between acts of mercy and justice. Justice comes first, then acts of mercy. But acts of mercy are acts of love and charity and benevolence. It's what we do for those that are hungry and poor and neglected and ignored, those that need food and shelter, clothing, visits. Those are all acts of mercy. And acts of mercy are outward manifestations of justice. Outward manifestations of pity and love and rightness. And it's the acts that we do. The acts of mercy. Jesus said you had the poor with you always. He's just quoting the Old Testament. The poor will always be in the land. And so when you're harvesting your crop, drop hands full on purpose so that those that are neglected and ignored can come by and get some of the harvest. And when you harvest your field, don't go straight into the corner. Make a circle so that there's still grain left in the corners of the field for those that are neglected and ignored. Those acts of mercy is what you do to relieve the suffering and the hurt of somebody that's been treated unfairly, right? But that's not justice. Justice doesn't just lend a helping hand. Justice seeks to change the circumstances and the situation that caused the problem in the first place. Justice is not content to relieve the immediate suffering of the poor person. Justice demands to know what caused the person to be poor and how can I change it. It's going to get really quiet in here now. Because the problem in the church is that we are all wrapped up in acts of mercy. We're going to give coats to the kids and food to the hungry and build shelter through Habitat of Humanity. And we're going to send money overseas for water. But what caused it? And how do we change it? And justice says, I'm going to find out what brought it that way and then I'm going to cause it to change. I'm going to change the situation. Let, let's look at it practically. Immigration. You're not going to deport 20, I'm sorry. You're not going to get buses and airplanes and trains and cars and station wagons and deport 20 million people that are in this country illegally. It ain't going to Happen. Now now be honest. I didn't say that I like it, that it was legal, that it should. I didn't say any of those terms. But they're here. And acts of mercy is I'm going to shelter them if they need shelter, I'm going to teach them English as a second language. Oh, boy, Pastor, it's going to be tough in here. I'm going to do whatever I can in an act of mercy because I was a stranger. That's what God said to Israel. You were a stranger. You were an alien. Not only in Egypt, but going into Canaan. And I took care of you, so you take, with acts of mercy, care of all those that are in that same situation. But that's just an act of mercy. That's not what justice does. Justice says... What is the prevailing condition in their country that is causing them to be forced out of their country and into ours? What are the economic conditions there that need to be changed? What are the war conditions there that are making them refuge? And we got to change it. Okay. <laughs> and it is that way in every situation that you can name. Abortion. Okay, we'll build clinics and we'll do seminars and we'll educate people and we'll take in pregnant young ladies so that they won't abort their children that's acts of mercy that's not justice justice is what's causing it and and how do we change it oh okay <laughs> gender discrimination acts of mercy you know well I'm sorry you're a girl I wish you you know no I'm not really because you're a pretty girl <laughs> but yeah, we do all that but justice says there's neither male nor female bond nor free Jew nor Gentile but in the kingdom of God we're all one in Christ Jesus Therefore, justice says there is no basis of discrimination based on gender at all. It's not just I help you out of the situation, but I lead you to the root cause and justice makes it right. There's a story I have of a lawyer in Ecuador who discovered that in their prisons they were putting 20 prisoners inside a room smaller than your bedroom. There were no Private facilities, the food budget, the guard's dog had a better food budget than the prisoners. And so what did he do? He went to the press. He went to the radio. He went to the t- TV. He went to the government officials until finally somebody stood up and passed reform and changed it. That's justice. Okay, now let's... Slavery. Let's just get real for a few minutes. Well, we have the Underground Railroad, thank you. And we're going to bring the slaves out of the South on the Underground Railroad and we'll bring them into shelters in the North. That's acts of mercy. That's not justice. No, justice is the abolishment. The changing of the law. Oh, hallelujah. You know, my favorite character in England a little dried-up guy named Wilberforce. He discovered that all the sugar in England and across the, the, the English Empire were produced on plantations operated by slaves. So first of all, he had an act of mercy. You know what he did? He committed his life that he would never eat sugar the rest of his life. That's an act of mercy. But that's not justice. So then he was elected to parliament and he spent 26 years in parliament, year after year after year, offering the same bill until finally the Slave Trade Act was passed and slavery on the plantations was abolished. But he didn't stop there. He spent the remaining years of his life and three days before his death, finally England abolished slavery altogether. He made... Justice. Oh, Lord. Our people said separate but equal is an act of mercy. It was far from it. It was separate, but it was never equal. But what justice is, Brown versus the Board of Education that abolishes separate and equal and makes us want... I know you guys are looking at me. You're going to hear it whether you like it or not. I don't care what you've been taught. You look at me, Brother Bob. You don't understand. Yeah, I do. I was raised in Anadarko, Oklahoma. Born and raised there. Do you know what the claim of fame to Anadarko, Oklahoma is? It is the Indian capital of the nation. There are more tribal governments in and around Anadarko than any place else on the face of the earth. We don't have reservations. But we have all kinds of tri- And my mother was prejudiced. And she taught it to me. And your parents taught it to you. Because if you're left alone, you don't get it. It's taught to you. You don't catch it like a disease. Either with words or with actions, it's taught. And my mother taught me the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Don't look at me like that. I love her and she's repented and she's in heaven. But that's what I was taught. But something happens when the kingdom of God comes into your life. When the just loving God that brings salvation through the death and the resurrection of His Son invades the evil kingdom of my heart. That goes out the window. And if you, listen, I didn't mean to go down this chase this rabbit. But if there is prejudice in your heart, guess what? You don't get to go to heaven. You know why? Because heaven is equity and justice and equality. And you would be so out of place, you'd be miserable in heaven. Because when you get there, it's every people, kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation. Because he's not the God of one. He's the God of all. And whether you like him or not, Martin Luther King brought justice in a nonviolent way—the giving up of his life. But in 1964, the act was signed, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 brought justice. And uh, divorce—well, you can do recovery sessions, or. You can have justice. And you start with counseling before marriage and do marriage enrichments and everything necessary is to keep it from happening. We don't just react in mercy, but we do justice. And the same thing's true of poverty. And Okay, I, I got to hurry. I, I've got a whole thing. I, I, I'll, I'll get it printed. You got to read it. It's an article about the difference between justice and mercy. And the problem with this church is we're all wrapped up in mercy. We send money to the poor, Christmas gifts to the orphans, shoeboxes at Christmas. Come on. And we keep record of what we're doing. But those are acts of mercy. The justice says, how do I change that situation over there? What can I do in the government over there? What can I live my life and give my life for that will root out the cause we could go into pornography and the sex. Tra- but it's all the same. You can do acts of mercy that reveal a- 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 the love of God and save one person. Or you can do rightness and seek to change the whole situation. And that's what the church has to do. Because we're called to bring justice. And quickly, there's two divisions of justice. There's social justice. That's... Bringing rightness to bad situations. That's building hospitals and digging wells and feeding the hungry and clothing those that are naked. That's, that's dictated by Scripture. It's what Jesus said to do. That's what the Old Testament said to do to protect the alien, the foreigner, the poor, and the widow, and the fatherless. You are to do that. You're to build the hospitals. You're to build the clinics. You're to feed the children. You're to do the acts of social justice but those are only entryways into what I call scriptural justice because if we're not careful we get so wrapped up in social justice and acts of mercy we forget scriptural justice I can give you a living example of a church in Alabama right now that's caught up in social justice they started looking at the condition of the world around them and their own people. And they had $500,000 surplus in their treasury. And they thought, this is stupid. We have $500,000 in our treasury and people are hurting and suffering and they gave that $500,000 and sent it to India where people are hungry and thirsty and unclothed and dying. And then they got together and cut $1.5 million out of their budget so that they could do the same in other parts of the earth and the world. And then they got so involved in the local level that the pastor called the Department of Human Services and said, uh, we understand you have lots of foster children. Well, they said, oh, yes, we have lots. He said, how many families, if you could have anything you wanted and a miracle, how many families would you need to take care of all those foster children? And she laughed at him. He said, don't laugh, I'm serious. And she said, I would need 150 families. And he goes Sunday morning and expresses the need to his congregation. And before the service is over, they have 160 families that's ready to sign up. To t- that's, that's, ju- that's mercy, that's justice, that's social justice. But what if you build the hospital, feed the hungry, call the naked, visit the sick, and they walk out of the hospital healed, but they're lost? that they're not saved, that they're not changed. You see, there, there's an, the element is not just social justice, but it is scriptural justice, where you change men's hearts and your soul. That's not right. Listen, it's not right that you've heard the good news of a gospel, of a saving grace of Jesus Christ, how many times? I've been in the church. First, the first time I can ever remember conviction of my sin was five years old in a Nazarene church in Anadark, Oklahoma. So I've been in the church before I was born, since I've been born, and for 50 years of my life been ministering the gospel. How many times have you personally heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? That he loves you. That he sent his son to die for you. That through his death and resurrection your sins are forgiven and you're made. How many? 10,000? Is it right that you've heard the gospel 10,000 times and 2 billion people in this world have never heard it one time? That's not right. And scriptural justice is the fact that you make it right. That you go into all the world. That you preach the gospel to every creature. That you make disciples. That the power of Pentecost makes you a witness. Paul said some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. And and it is our responsibility that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we misquote that scripture all the time. And I do too. You know how we quote it? And the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's not what he said. He said the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The understanding of who God is. The preaching and the proclamation that this God of love provided a way where every individual can miss hell and make heaven. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. If I just say, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth, I leave it up to God. But He didn't, He left it up to you. Here to cause the knowledge of the glory of God in the, in the face of Jesus Christ to be known everywhere. That's why you're where you are. Because the kingdom's in you. You already know Him. And it's up to you to make sure that the knowledge of God's glory through Jesus Christ is through all the earth. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit's in you for. So that those who have never heard it once can hear it through you. And if you can't go, then justice says you have to send. If you can't personally go, Church at Antioch, first called Christians. Holy Spirit says, separate in Barnabas and Saul for the work we're into, I've called them. And the moment the Holy Spirit picked out Barnabas and Saul to go, what did the church at Antioch do? The New Testament says they laid hands on them. You know how we define that? Ordination. They brought them up in a formal service. These are the two men the Holy Spirit has selected and we lay our hands upon their head. And we, Well, that's one interpretation. But you know what the other one is? And they laid their hands upon them. They reached in their pockets and they took their substance and their money and paid their way to go. So if you can't personally go and establish rightness, scriptural justice to those who have never heard, then you know what your responsibility is? To reach into your pocket to pull out this and to give and to support and to pray so that scriptural justice the hospital may never be built but if you send somebody in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell that person that there is a God of love and there is a God of justice and He loves you enough to send His Son for your sins you fulfill scriptural justice and I close by telling you this It is not right that I drink three cups of Starbucks junk at five to six bucks a cup a day when somebody around this world has never heard about Jesus Christ. And that 15 bucks could win many, many souls. And if the kingdom is within you, then the kingdom says, do justly. Do right. Establish laws and measures. Change situations. Then do acts of mercy. And always walk humbly before your God. And the prophet ended it by saying, this is what I want to happen, says the Lord. Let rightness and justice roll on from generation to generation like an unfailing stream and like a river that never ends because it flows through us. It flows through you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Help us to do justly as part of your kingdom and to show mercy and to walk before you with humbleness. You've set these people in strategic places in their job, in their community, in their family, in this world because they are the temple of your dwelling. The kingdom is within them. And out of the kingdom that's within them, let justice roll on like a river like an unending stream. Help us to find what we can personally do to right the situation, to order rightness and justice in this world. And may we never forget acts of mercy. But most of all, help us to share the name of Jesus, the saving name, and establish scriptural justice. Where the knowledge of your glory covers America. Where the knowledge of your glory covers Europe. Where the knowledge of your glory covers Africa. Where the knowledge of your glory covers Asia. Until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of your glory. Like waters covering the sea. Make us the instruments of your righteousness and your justice. In Jesus' name.